What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and our good friends at Buyers Automotive. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That's Spencer Holbrook. We are talking stuff. Uh, in the time, again, and I, I sound like a broken record, I guess, Spencer, but, you know, there's not a lot happening. There's a lot of new offers going out to 2022 prospects. Um, we're in sort of a waiting period for 2021 as we try to get a grasp on what's going to happen with the NCAA's uh, recruiting dead period. We are hours away from um, finding out, I think, if that's extended through the end of June. It's supposed to happen today, Wednesday. We're recording this Wednesday at 11.45 a.m. It has not happened yet. The expectation I have is that the NCAA will uh, extend that dead period, and when it does that, we'll eliminate the June 12th recruiting weekend for Ohio State. Um, and as we talked about last week and what I guess we call the, the negative episode, um, you know, that does have a potential to really impact Ohio State's class moving forward, at least with a handful of the remaining pieces like Emeka Abuka, who we wrote about today in the recruiting question of the day, um, uh, JT Tuamalo, Troy Stilato, players like that. I think uh, it's a very interesting time because the Buckeyes have had so much momentum and now they're kind of in this – position where they like everyone else have to just wait and see what's allowed to happen and if the Buckeyes and every other program in the Midwest end up losing not only all of spring visits but also all of summer visits it makes a uh, very large hill to climb for that group come November and December don't you think yeah I mean we talk about it all the time Ohio State doesn't really need to show people the library and everything to for them to commit we, we that's a big talking point for us but at the same time if you're not getting kids on campus you're not getting a personal connection with them you can only do so much with a zoom call some kids can be enamored by a zoom call and can uh commit through a zoom call but some guys just they need to be on campus and in the cases of these top when you're dealing with top 10 players it's almost a necessity to get them on campus they're, especially they're, top 10 players from 2500 miles away yeah travion henderson is not every other five-star athlete you know right. some of these guys just have to be on campus or in Emeka Ibuka's case has to get his father on campus because he hasn't been there and so to take the recruiting dead period away and I guess that's kind of making light of it when it's a real serious situation we're still facing here but to have the recruiting dead period uh, still ongoing for the, these Midwestern schools who didn't use uh, February as visit times because kids don't want to see snow um, it, it really 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 affects uh, Ohio State, and it affects a lot of programs, you know, like uh, Notre Dame, for example, you know, they thought if they could get Will Shipley on campus, they could land a five-star running back, hasn't been able to visit, commits to Clemson because he went to Clemson in the in the winter. That's just, yeah. that's the way things are. Yeah, it's going it to lead to some interesting conversations. And, you know, I don't know exactly what the NCAA intends to do to, to remedy that or to make that um, more equitable across the board. I think that there is an obvious need at this point for them to begin looking at ways to adjust their calendar and a way to adjust uh, the, the, the recruiting uh, open periods, the contact periods. But that even goes into 2022. Like if all these kids are losing their opportunities to visit schools this summer, uh, why make them wait until September 1st before they can have open conversation with coaches? I, I, that should, in my opinion, open up right away um, because this is a, such an important summer for kids the summer between sophomore and junior year is almost always the most important when it comes to recruiting. And um, that's really unfortunate for those kids that they're going to miss the opportunity to get evaluated in camp on, uh, on campus, but then they still can't talk to the coaches um, 
seems a little backwards to me. So I guess we'll see if they dive into that. But uh, speaking of diving in, we, we're, as we said, there's not a lot to talk about. So let's, let's answer some questions. Um, Spencer had tweeted uh, Monday asking for some questions from readers, um, you know, what you guys are thinking about out there. So uh, we'll I'll take a couple of those and, and make this a relatively short show in order to let people get on with their Wednesday before the daily, which comes here in Ohio and Michigan in the next five days, because it's going to rain nonstop. So I need to mow the lawn. <laughs> All right. Well then let's just dive in Burma. I'll let you get out, cut the grass. Uh, first question. Wait, Burma, do you have a ride mower or a push mower? Oh, it's a push mower. Oh, you get some physical activity then. That's nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Got to, got to close the rings. There you go. Uh, close them rings. Uh, Speaking of, not really speaking of at all, um, how, how frequently does Larry Johnson recruit off campus? Uh, we often see Coach Combs planning flags in other states. I don't recall hearing seeing LJ on the road. Does that impact the pursuit of JT Toymalo? I'll get that name correct eventually, if I didn't already. This question comes from Brad in New Albany. Well, I mean, I, I think it's a misconception, Brad, that Larry Johnson doesn't recruit on the road. He just doesn't tweet about it. Um, Every Ohio State coach goes out and recruits. Everyone has their own areas. Larry Johnson is a little bit different in that he doesn't have an area, really. I mean, he, he's obviously the, the primary recruiter in Maryland and Virginia where his past is, uh, and that's an area where if there's a kid they're trying to, to begin a relationship with, Larry may be the guy that starts it, but he recruits his guys, so you know, last December when the Buckeyes were on the road, Larry was in North Carolina frequently with, um, you know, the Buckeyes recruiting uh, Jacoby Cowan. He was there uh, trying to get to know Javari Ritzy in the 2021 class. He was in Texas with Jumiche Adelaide. Um, the, the Seattle kids, the, the, the Washington kids, that's been Brian Hartline's region generally uh, just because he was out there with G. Scott and then Emeka Abuka, and so it became sort of a natural – um, transition for him to stop over again and and recruit JT Tuamalo. So he's been he's been the really the driver in that re, in that recruiting relationship. But Larry Johnson is obviously very involved. He just hasn't had to go out there yet. And again, all those things would have happened this spring if they would have been able to. So uh, t- yeah, Larry Johnson gets on the road. He's out there just as much as everyone else. I actually had. Another person asked me a question on Twitter and a DM the other day if Greg Madison recruits. And all the, all the coaches recruit. Greg Madison handles the Chicago area, Wisconsin, Michigan, that kind of stuff. But he, again, if they're not active social media users, you may not hear about it or, you know, they're not, they're not like promoting where they are. And that's Larry Johnson's way. He doesn't promote who he recruits uh, ever. He wants his relationships to be private. And he wants the recruitments to kind of go under the radar. And I think because in a lot of ways, when you're a program like Ohio State and you're a defensive line coach like Larry Johnson, who has the history that he does and the the number of players that he's recruited and and put in the NFL, the minute that other coaches see Larry Johnson is recruiting someone, all of a sudden that player becomes much more interesting if it's an under the radar type of player. So I I think it's just a matter of Larry Johnson's – uh, method and Larry Johnson's preference that the kids he recruits, he doesn't really want people to know he's recruiting them. Even if they're big time kids like Jumite Adelaide, uh, you didn't really hear a lot about him being recruited by Larry Johnson. 
in the last five months, all we ever heard about was Florida and Texas A&M and all these other schools. So, uh, and Larry Johnson was involved in that every day. Adelaide, who's now a five-star uh, recruit, according to rivals, top 17 player in the country. So, uh, clearly what Johnson does is, is different than other coaches, but it certainly doesn't mean he's on the road or any less. Next. Adelaide, who seems to be rising still. Um, even yeah, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see the difference. And I'm fascinated by the, the, uh, the difference in opinion in recruiting analysts is what they see and what they, um, you know, I, I think it's natural to have questions about Adelaide and his eventual projection because I, we see the defensive end body at Ohio State uh, of Chase Young and of Joey Bosa. But then you think, like, Nick Bosa is, you know, 6'3 and a half, 275 pounds. So, and obviously he's, he is an NFL All-Pro and Rookie of the Year. So, th- like, you can translate it to different ways, especially when you got a guy like Adelaide who has super long arms and really good hands. Uh, next question. During Berm's great interview with Jesse Murko, I don't know if I'd say great. That was a Give difficult interview. <laughs> Giving Berm a lot of credit there. This is yeah, from Doug, so. by the way, from hey, Doug, Doug in Columbus. Uh, during the interview with Jesse Murko, he said uh, he played semi-pro rugby. Will that have any issues with his eligibility? No, um, I, I don't know why it doesn't. I guess it's similar to – players who, who go out and play minor league baseball, you're allowed to go out and then play uh, college football. Or if you're a professional skier or something, you're allowed to play college football. Or uh, if you sign a $6 million signing bonus with the Oakland Athletics, you can still win a Heisman Trophy. Yeah, so I, I don't know exactly. <laughs> I, I assume as long as you're not being paid uh, in the sport that you're playing, I guess it's uh, still okay. What we do know about Jesse Murko is that he's – 23 years old. Uh, he has four years to play at Ohio State. He's going to be on full scholarship, and he is your hunter of the future in Columbus. But it is interesting, I mean, to watch as these kids – again, that's one of those situations where I had actually spoken to a couple punters inside of Ohio in the last few months who had been hearing from Matt Barnes. Um, and then you wake up uh, one Thursday morning, and there's a kid from around the world that's committed. And you're like, oh, crap. Nobody's ever heard of him. Nobody talked to him. But, you know, it, it is fascinating to watch the, the machinations of the recruiting world. But he, he's a player that, speaking to Nathan Chapman, um, the, the owner and, and leader of Pro Kick Australia, he said that he thinks he's their best prospect in this class. And, and uh, certainly that goes a long way when it comes to Ohio State and how they take the recommendation. Berm, I have a quick question. Do you have a good Australian accent? I don't, Mike. I don't. I think what's okay. hilarious is that the first uh, conversation I had with Jesse Mirko was via text and, you know, setting up the interview. And he still says mate in every text. Like, it's hey, like mate. if we said bro, if we said bro yeah. in a text. Yeah, but it seems like, I don't know, is it less douchey? Because <laughs> if we were like, hey, I guess bro, so. like bro it's sounds very... really douchey. You know, bro sounds mate kind of is just very mate is just very cultural. Yeah, I mean, it was you know I I appreciate it. I I was reading it to the to the wife. I'm like, look, isn't this funny how he even says it in every every text? So yeah, uh, yeah, I'm 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 excited because a I love specialists. I think their personalities are extremely unique and always entertaining. B I think the kids from Australia are fascinating people. 
they, they live a life that we just can't imagine. I was actually researching an offensive lineman um, at a JUCO in Utah this morning uh, who's from Australia originally and looking at his Twitter feed and looking what he does. And like one of the videos is of him building a home gym. Another one is of him making ribs and like, they're all such well-rounded and, and different people. You know, he's another one that played Australian rules football at six foot five, 320 pounds. And you see this kid and he's like, holy crap, this is just so interesting how different life is for these kids and uh, their excitement level about the opportunity to come to the United States and play football. And even though they don't really know what Ohio state football is, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure they've heard of it. They've heard of the New York Yankees probably, but they don't really make the comparison that it's that big. But I don't know. I mean, he said he's played in front of 100,000 people before. So that, if that's the case, then you you certainly can hope that Jesse Merko will be ready to play at Ohio State. But what you do know is that he's not impacted uh, eligibility-wise. Do you know anything about rugby, like rules or anything? I don't. I, I, I mean, I know it, I, it seems pretty violent. Um, and then you kick yeah. the ball a lot and you spin it when you, you spin it to people. Uh, I was watching rugby on ESPN two when I was younger, just because it was on, I was like, well, I wonder what this is. And they, they, the official called something and it was a knock on. So oh. if you know what a knock on is, let me know. Cause the only thing I know about rugby is a scrub. I think, so anyways, that, I think I'd like to, the next time I talk to Merkel, I'm just going to like randomly drop in and be like, Oh, how many knock ons did you, uh, <laughs> Called for when you play. I don't the, even know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I, to me, it's like, is Australian rules football to an Australian? Isn't it just football? It's like, like, yes. do, because Hispanics don't call Mexican food Mexican food, right? They just call it food. So, yeah, like, it's like, it's like football in, in England. It's like, right. it's not English it's, football. Yeah, it's just soccer. So, is it? Yeah. It's interesting. Yes. But it's, but it's not soccer. It's football. Yeah. So what do they call American football? I don't know. We'll have to get an English guy on. They call it American football. They call it American we'll get football. A, oh, yeah. Okay. Because I know like in French, if you say American football, it's football American. So well, they yeah, make sure to put American football in there. Yeah. yeah, but that's just because that's the way French people talk. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay. <laughs> speaking of speaking of different, different cultures and uh, recruiting. Uh, how does the 2022 – oh, this is from – I can't pronounce the name. Uh, how does the 2022 wide receiver board seem to be shaping up so far? Who, does Hart, who do Heartline and the rest of the staff have their eyes on? And how many do you think they'll be looking to take? First, I'm not sure how that has anything to do with other cultures. Second. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> Second, um, <laughs> the Buckeyes are really still focused on trying to wrap up the 2021 receiver class, and that – focus is almost now entirely on the Mecca Abuka. I don't want to say that there's been a concession that Troy Stilato is going to end up at Clemson, but it kind of feels like there's a concession that Troy Stilato is going to end up at Clemson. And I, I know that the minute I say this, it's going to sound like one of those moving goalposts, but I honestly, I think Ohio State's fine with that for a number of reasons. First and foremost, the numbers are very tight, and they knew it was likely they'd only be able to take one more in this class at the position anyway. And Abuka obviously is a different level of athlete than Stilato, being the number one ranked receiver in the country, uh, being a top 
baseball prospect as well. He's a, a very, very special and different athlete. I think that Ohio State would have been fine with either one of those guys. So now maybe it makes it easier for them to, to totally focus on one guy um, as opposed to having to deal with the negative recruiting saying, oh, well, they don't even like you as much as this guy or whatever. Um, beyond that, there has been a lot of conversation starting with the class of 2022 receivers. Uh, I think three is a number that you should expect them to look at in that class. Again, uh, I think pretty much every year moving forward, three is going to be the number, the way that Heartline is recruiting, the way that these guys are leaving for the NFL. I think that's a solid baseline. Um, because if you look at the 2022 class, you can assume oh, Chris Olave will be gone. You can assume that Garrett Wilson will be on his way out. Uh, you can assume, I think, that one or two of the other receivers that have, are in the in the building, like Jamison Williams or Julian Fleming, G. Scott, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, whatever, will be moving on or, or getting close to moving on at that point as well. I think when you're recruiting top five players across the country, three years is, is the expectation. Um, Luther Burden from St. Louis, uh, from the same high school as Jamison Williams, Cardinal Ritter, is certainly one of those guys. I think he, uh, he's got an offer from Ohio State. Buckeyes love St. Louis. Relationships between Jamison Williams and Mookie Cooper are, are uh, buoying that early relationship. I think that's one to watch. Caleb Burton from uh, Austin, Texas, who has a Buckeye offer. It's another one very close with Garrett Wilson, the guy that has trained with Garrett Wilson and grew up kind of idolizing Garrett a little bit as a local kid. Um, and then out, out west, there's uh, C.J. Williams out at Matter Day High School in Santa Ana, California, who is probably the top receiver overall in that class. He's had a very uh, productive two months with getting a relationship with Brian Hartline and the Buckeyes since they offered Ohio State's trying so hard to get involved in the, to Matter Day High School. Um, they were close with Elias Ricks. Didn't work out. He ended up transferring to IMG. It kind of uh, stunted that. And then if you look at this current 2021 class, they're very close with Jalen Davies. They're working hard on Rajon Davis, the linebacker committed to LSU. There are three kids in that school in the 2022 class who already have offers from Ohio State. Uh, or big-time Buckeye interest. So that that's kind of one of those ones where you feel like if you can go out and get C.J. Williams and all of a sudden you're adding – it's value-added um, because of the impact that he can make with the Monarchs program. So those three are the ones that I would focus on right now. But, again, Ohio State really isn't focusing on them. There are some positions like linebackers I wrote about on Letterman Row last week where the attention seems to be turning almost entirely to 2022 because – uh, there's no point in continuing to recruit 2021 kids that you can't see. Um, but for the receiver situation, locking down Emeka Abuka is priority one. Okay. Uh, next question. I have two more yes or no questions for you. Um, okay. We can make these super quick. Um, sure. Does it, somebody ask, but I already X'd out of the menu, so I can't really pull it back up. Does Hudson Wolf need to visit Ohio State if he's going to commit to Ohio State, or does he just commit? And you can use the first part as a yes or no. Uh, I don't. I don't think he needs to. He has before. I mean, he's been on campus twice. Uh, the The question is whether or not it is very important for his mom to get on campus with him, or is it sort of important for mom to get on campus with him? Because 
from what I understand, the real holdup is just getting the family on, on campus one more time. Again, though, if this recruiting dead period gets extended and these kids are told they can't visit now until August or September, how many of these kids that are on that fence are going to decide to wait and how many are going to just decide to jump? And we've, we talked about it in, in our private conversations last week, but you know, there's more than two times the number of kids committed in the class of 2021 um, that have been committed to the same point in the last two cycles. So kids are obviously making that decision early. Uh, I, I think the Buckeyes are in front for Hudson Wolf. They are in a good position, but as I said, I've been told it's about mom getting on campus is that a requirement? I don't think it's a requirement. I think it's something that the family would very much like to do in order to feel more comfortable with the decision if it was made. So I, I think you could see him commit without getting back on campus, yes. Uh, next question. Uh, is it going to be hard for Ohio State to recruit a 2022 quarterback the way quarterback recruiting is working nowadays? Uh, since they have Kyle McCord, C.J. Stroud, they have Jack Miller. Is it going to be hard to land the top? 2022 quarterback and should they just focus the attention to 2023? No, it's not going to be hard to land a 2022 quarterback because of who's on campus uh, or who's committed in 2021. It's going to be hard to land a 2022 quarterback because you can't see any of them. Uh, and it's a position that the Buckeyes have been able to work a year ahead. Uh, you know, this is, they've already had Kyle McCord committed for more than a year already. Jack Miller was committed for two years. Um, because those guys had an opportunity to get to campus and work out for the Buckeyes and be evaluated. Uh, Ryan Day had an opportunity to go and watch those kids throw in their, at, at their schools. Corey Dennis right now is in a very peculiar position because he doesn't have the opportunity to do those things. Ohio State doesn't have an opportunity to have their top targets on campus. And, and those top targets are kind of from all over the country. You have uh, Gunnar Stockton in Georgia, Quinn Ewers in, in Texas. You have, um, players out in California like uh, Justin Martin and uh, uh, the, the best one out there whose name is escaping me at the moment. Uh, is it, is it Malik Murphy? Malik Murphy. Sorry. Thank you. Um, you know, you have all those guys that they've been kind of waiting to get on campus. Quinn Ewers has been on campus, but that was before his freshman year of high school. So it's not like you can base an evaluation entirely on that. Um, so I think the reason that 2022 is going to be a challenge recruiting the quarterback it's just because there's a great big unknown about when you can actually evaluate these kids. And um, as we see this trend of kids committing earlier and staying closer to home because of all the uncertainty, maybe you lose an opportunity to, uh, to really get involved in with these recruitments that the Buckeyes typically would otherwise. That's what I think. What about you, Spencer? What do you, what do you think the biggest challenge there is? Uh, I think it's just getting Coriannis acclimated to being on the road without him being able to be on the road. You know, he's never really been able to do on-the-road recruiting, and then he got to do it for, what, a month and a half, and then all of this yeah. happened. Uh, I just think, uh, obviously, he can recruit. I'm not questioning his recruiting ability, but being on the road is a different animal when it comes to recruiting. And he's only done it for a month and a half, and then you tell him he can't do it for the entire summer when he's trying to put together his first quarterback class. That's not going to be easy. Nope, totally I just agree. think that can become. I just think that can become an issue. Um, like I said, not because I don't think he can recruit, because I think he can. I just think going and shaking high school coaches' hands in the office of the high school, and uh, it's just a different animal than it is bringing the kid on campus, talking to him, sitting him down. 
Um, so I think yeah. that's going to be a, a big thing that, that Corey Dennis is going to have to learn to adapt to without being able to really adapt to it. Right. And then in turn, not being able to get these kids and their families on campus so that the, the, the coaches can meet parents that they haven't met before. I mean, it, it, it is certainly going to be an interesting adjustment. So, um, you know, it, again, it's Wednesday. Uh, this will maybe be online before the NCAA ruling comes down on the dead period, but we're, we're in wait and see for that. So, uh, I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That's Spencer Holbrook. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and Byers Automotive. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please rate, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. We'll talk to you folks in again in a few days. And uh, have a good one, everyone. Stay safe.